Welcome to the Public Diplomat Dialogues. This is Guy Golan broadcasting from the AJMC conference in San Francisco. Today, uh, I have the pleasure of hosting Emily Metzger, Associate Professor from Indiana University. Emily, welcome to the program. Guy, thank you. All right, um, Emily just presented a study about the JET program mm -hmm. in Japan. Can you tell us what the JET program is all about? Sure. The JET program is the Japan Exchange and Teaching Program, sponsored by the Japanese government. It's been around now for uh, almost 30 years. It was established in 1987, and it is designed to recruit native speakers of foreign languages to teach those languages in Japanese public schools. Mm -hmm. um, the, about 50% of program participants are Americans. There are now 60,000 people who have participated in the program. More than 60 countries have participated over time. And um, about 30,000 American alumni of the JET program. Huh. So why would a government sponsor such a program? Well, when we talk about definitions of public diplomacy, we're talking about efforts on the part of a country to interact directly or to engage directly with foreign publics, sort of bypassing the government-to-government -government relations that are typical of traditional diplomacy and, seek, and interacting directly with the foreign publics. An exchange program is an ideal way to do that. Okay, so Japan gets uh, people to come and teach English or mm -hmm. other languages. Mm -hmm. What do the people from the other nations get in turn? Um, either English. Uh, because a lot of participants from Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, but also other key strategic languages that the Japanese government has identified. So these young college people who come and participate in the JET program, when they are teaching foreign languages, they're paired with Japanese teachers of those languages mm -hmm. in the classroom. Okay, so they get to learn about Japan. They get to learn about Japan, the Japanese public school system. They um, live in Japanese communities. They become members of their communities and um, stay for a minimum of a year, up to five years. They can renew contracts for up to five years. All right, so essentially we always talk about the role of exchanges. Uh, there, many argue that they are the gold standard of mm -hmm. public diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the JET program or the Fulbright program around the world, um, how, what is the function of uh, exchange programs in public diplomacy? Do they really move the needle? Well, certainly, intuitively, we all like to believe that exchange programs do move the needle. The question is, what does moving the needle look like? And uh, what do you expect moving the needle to accomplish for you? When talking about public diplomacy from sort of a real politic perspective, countries, sure, they want to invite foreigners to their home country to um, expose them, get them to meet the, the people of the host country, to um, get the guests to become more familiar with the host country, at, to take those experiences home with them at the end of an exchange, whether it's a week or a month or a year or five years, and to then apply that knowledge to the rest of their lives, whether it's in their interpersonal relationships with family and friends, whether it's in professional contexts. The idea is to ultimately create an environment where the host country's foreign policy can be more easily implemented. So there is an assumption of a trickle-down effect in a way, right? That's the assumption. Okay, can you talk more about that? Yeah, well, the, the assumption is that there's a trickle-down effect. The trick is identifying that it's actually there. Uh -huh. um, there's some really interesting research beginning to actually question that assumption, or maybe not even question the assumption, but to say, all right, how do we, how do we prove that this thing that we assume to be true is actually true? Ian Wilson um, published a book in 2014 about um, 
about evaluating international exchange programs, specifically international educational exchange programs. And he um, brings a pretty critical eye to to the assumptions that, that it's going to work. He's not critical of the fact that they work, he's just critical of the body of evidence of which there's very little um, where you can say, yes, there, there's a direct line between participation in a program and positive views of the host country in a way that directly influence the international environment down the road. Part of the problem, of course, is that international exchanges are implemented for the long term. The integrated public diplomacy model that you've put forward and that others have discussed breaks down public diplomacy into short-term, medium-term, and long-term program goals. And international exchanges are, by definition, long-term, which makes them susceptible to short-term political turmoil in their sponsoring countries and makes it very hard to track consistently how those um, former program participants are evolving in their views of the host country over time. But Everybody still does it. I mean, the Fulbright program has been going on for many years, many decades, and, mm -hmm. and many countries around the world have similar exchange mm -hmm. programs. Nowadays, we see uh, programs like Birthright Israel, mm -hmm. and which was adopted, I understand, by Russia and other nations. Mm -hmm. The idea, again, is the assumption that if these folks are going to come to our country, eat our food, you know, drink our drinks, interact with our people, mm -hmm. understand our culture and language, mm -hmm. they will be more favorable to us when it comes to our foreign policy. The assumption is that they will be more favorable. I think it's more realistic to say that they will be more realistic about their impressions of the host country. And I think that's one reason why the JEC program is such an interesting topic for discussion. Because the research that I'm doing, a, a book that I'm working on right now, is specifically focused on how this huge universe of American alumni of the JET program are actually beginning to have a measurable impact on the U.S.-Japan relationship. Mm -hmm. And the, the evidence that I see is pointing to the fact that it doesn't mean that in situations where an alum is forced with making a decision that has something to do with Japan, that they are going to be wearing rose-colored glasses and be automatically pro-Japan. What it means instead is that they have a more nuanced understanding of their interlocutors who are Japanese. So if you're talking about foreign service officers, there are more than 100 American foreign service officers who are alumni of the JET program. And that doesn't mean that these American alumni are somehow compromised in their interactions representing the United States in interactions with Japan. It simply means that they're um, better, they're more familiar with, with the people on the other side of the table. They might have some language ability. They certainly have cultural context. It can perhaps help um, prevent misunderstandings. It can help, um, help both sides get what they are seeking out of some sort of bilateral discussion. Okay. So, so let's look at this measurement trap, uh -huh. right? So on the one hand, one camp says, look, these things are not measurable, mm -hmm. therefore, who knows if they're cost effective. Mm -hmm. The other side says, hey, who cares, maybe somebody will buy a Toyota rather than a <laughs> Hyundai, right? Uh -huh. And, and th there'll be economic impact, mm -hmm. or they'll encourage others to go and visit Tokyo, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So where do you stand in this debate? <laughs> um, I'm a firm proponent of arguing that you need to triangulate. A survey that I did of American JET alumni in 2011 it asked all sorts of questions about those kinds of things. Not just how do you feel about Japan generally, but how, um, how does your experience on the JET program translate into your life today? To what extent does your professional work have anything to do with Japan? Uh, to what extent does it influence your friends and family when you're talking about politics or reading the news or um, 
eating Japanese food or convincing friends and family to travel to Japan. There are all sorts of ways that you can pull out little pieces of evidence. I, I can't remember the numbers exactly off the top of my head, but some huge percentage of the people who responded to my survey said, oh yeah, I've, um, I've been back to Japan many times, both for fun and for work. I've had, I've talked friends and family into going. I go for sushi once a week. You know, my home is sort of a, a shrine to Japan with all the uh, chatskis that I picked up while I was there. Um, so th there are all different kinds of ways of measuring it. And then there's all sorts of anecdotal evidence that um, plenty of alumni are increasingly in positions to make decisions for their organizations, whether they're in the private sector or the um, public sector or um, nonprofits, educational institutions, um, in a position to make decisions that could have an impact on the U.S.-Japan relationship. Absolutely. So we always come back to the same question, and that is, uh, by definition, public diplomacy is about um, engaging foreign publics mm -hmm. with the attempt to gain support for foreign policy. Right. Somebody eating sushi or watching samurai movies mm -hmm. does not necessarily fall into the foreign policy objective category. No, right? you're right. Um, Nancy Snow has... Um, I had some great discussion about how to how to think about these sorts of things. And she actually talks about a, a spectrum between uh, personal development on one hand and national security objectives on the other. And that people who have participated in national exchange programs when it comes to their own individual experiences, they fall somewhere on that spectrum. So it's not black or white, and it's not it's only about personal personal people's experiences, or it's only about foreign policy objectives. It's it's a mix. It's a mix of the two. And for some Jet alumni, for example, some might not have anything at all to do with um, with Japan in their daily lives. No, 20, 25 years after participating, others might have built a career around Japan-related um, activities. There's one. Um, I've been collecting lots of anecdotes about this, and there's one individual who argues that, at least in the um, public sector today, the vast majority of people under the age of 45 who are focused on Japan and U.S.-Japan issues in the government have some sort of experience with the JET program. Mm. I've had others tell me that they've sat in negotiations um, with with the Japanese where all but the principal actor for the United States side were all JET alumni. So there, um, there's lots of anecdotal evidence. Now, of course, anecdotes do not um, definitive proof make, but it, after a while you start to see this pile of evidence, you, you really can start to feel more and more secure making the argument that this is actually having an, an impact that's important, even if it's very hard to nail down precisely. Uh, very interesting. So Emily, you've been involved in another research project looking at the literature, the wider literature in mm -hmm. public diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Would you say that exchange programs is a key topic in the academic research? Um, when it comes to the exchange programs in our meta-analysis, we find that there are some case studies that have been done of various programs. Um, the United States is a frequent topic. Um, Giles Scott Smith is actually um, the the publishing machine when it comes to writing about some of these sorts of things. Um, these studies, by and large, are sort of historical. They have um, interview basis, not always very much theory. As with much of the public diplomacy literature, like um, our friend Eitan Gilbo and others have argued, there's a crying need for theory. But uh, even studies of international exchanges do not um, contain a lot of theory. So one of the things I'm trying to do with the work that I'm doing is base it on 
a combination of two-step flow and uh, other literature looking at epistemic communities and um, the role of movement of peoples and populations from an international relations standpoint, constructivism. Okay. Very interesting. Well, ed educational changes are fascinating in public diplomacy. The JET program is fascinating. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn more about the JET program, go on their website. They have an awesome website. Mm -hmm. I know many people who participated. I personally thought about going for <laughs> JET when I was uh, post my undergrad. Unfortunately, I did not. Uh, Emily, if people want to learn more about your research, mm -hmm. and can they find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I'm not always the most reliable Twitter person, but I'm trying to get better. I'm at EmilyM123. Okay, very good. And her website is uh, the University of Indiana. The Indiana University, Indiana University website can be found there. And I have a, a yeah, I have my own website, emilymetzger.com, which is also woefully outdated. But as I continue working, um, I hope to be updating it more frequently. Okay, very good. And for all facets of public diplomacy, nation branding, and all things international, please follow us at public underscore diplomat on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook and go to our website, thepublicdiplomat.com. From San Francisco, thank you, Emily Metzger. I'm Guy Gulan. Have a great day.